Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. And today we are doing our anniversary spectacular. This is our last one of the year, the anniversary spectacular. Five-year anniversary of the Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds-led science fiction, some would say alien ripoff, Life. It's definitely alien-inspired. It is alien-esque, that's yeah. for sure. Yep. Yeah. I Gen do think it has some differences from Alien, but mm -hmm. you can definitely feel the influences. Yeah. There's there's some interesting stuff about this movie that that I think put it that set it apart a little bit from Alien. Not necessarily in a good way, but it does. So yeah, I guess we'll get into that, but you hadn't seen this movie before we watched it for this, had you? I have. You had? Okay, yep. so you had seen this. Yeah, we watched this a couple years ago. Did we? Yeah, okay. you put it on a list and said, here, we're watching this. I said, okay. Oh, you know what? It was probably that list where we were like rolling the dice and figuring out what we were going to watch. We had a whole bunch of movies to try and plow through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah when we have our indecision of what we want to watch, we just let <laughs> fate decide for us. Fate being an app on my phone. <laughs> That we plug in the numbers of the <laughs> amount of movies and let her rip. Well, it's better than spending an hour scrolling through everything and then deciding just to watch a TV show because we don't have time to watch a movie. I mean, until we get to the point where we're just like, yeah, you know what? I don't like this this movie that the app selected. Let's try it again. And then you're just, instead of looking through movies on Netflix or Vudu or something, you're just <laughs> re-rolling until you get to something that sounds good. I don't think we've done that yet, though, so I think we're good. No? Okay. Well, we might get there at some point. I'm just we saying, might. like, <laughs> this could be a temporary fix or a permanent one. That's true. All right. It all kind of depends. Should we talk about who's in this thing? I suppose we could. All right. So this was directed by Daniel Espinoza. Mm -hmm. It was written by Rhett Reese and Paul Warnick. Do you know those names, or at least one of those names? No. Okay. Rhett Reese wrote, or at least co-wrote, uh, Zombieland. And then he and Paul Wernick wrote Deadpool oh, in 2016. And I enjoyed both those movies. So, Yeah. All right. This has Jake Gyllenhaal as David, Rebecca Ferguson as Miranda, Ryan Reynolds as Rory, Hiroyuki Sonata as Sho, Olga Dekofenea as Ekaterina. Or Ekaterina, is it? I can't say the, the, the character name. It's Katerina, I would say. Just call her Katerina because they call her Cat. Okay. Olga as Cat. Yeah. <laughs> Olga as Cat. And then Ariane Bakari as Hugh. Yeah. Now, we've got a couple of Marvel connections here. Hiroyuki Sonata played, or was in The Wolverine. He played a bad guy in The Wolverine. Okay. He was also in Avengers Endgame, although I don't really remember him in Endgame. But we also have, of course, Ryan Reynolds, because he was Deadpool. Deadpool. He's going to be now part of the MCU. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we've got And Jake little... Gyllenhaal was Mysterio oh, in yeah, the Spider-Man Spider right, movie. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep. yep. I, just, I always gloss right over that. I don't, I don't, maybe I don't think of Spider-Man as part of the MCU still. That's so weird. I'm so used to him not being. Now, Rebecca Ferguson, I had seen her before. I didn't know where. It took me a little while, but I figured it out. I finally figured it out. Do you know where I've seen her her from? Where? Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Oh, she, I thought she looked familiar too, but couldn't place it. I'm just kidding. That's nowhere near what I know her from. Oh. The Greatest okay. Showman. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Jenny Lind from The Greatest Showman. Yes. The Never Enough Lady, who yes. couldn't say never enough, ever enough. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, she's she's there. So, did you know that Rebecca Ferguson has the same birthday as me? Cool. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) I have the same birthday, I think, as Tobey Maguire, I think is. Spider-Man? Yeah, I think think it's his. Wow. That's interesting. You got to one-up me, don't you? I do. What the hell, man? (laughs) Always, always got to one-up me. I'll take you, Rebecca, and show you Tobey. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, why don't we get into this? Let's talk about life. And uh, basically, the movie kind of starts off with, we don't really know what's going on at first. We kind of get dropped into the into the action with a space probe that is coming back from Mars, heading to Earth, and it gets, it gets damaged by, like, meteorites or something on the way. And so the people on the International Space Station have to intercept it. It's carrying soil samples from the planet Mars, hopefully containing evidence of extraterrestrial life so this is an interesting opening i did think it was weird that the was it rory had to go outside to catch the thing and the thing was hurling at him so fast and there was like a hand thing i thought that part was kind of goofy you don't think that the controls could be inside the space station also why would the space station be trying to catch something i I know i know it's like okay so they have like a little like nintendo arm or something that's reaching out to catch this thing nintendo it looked like a like a robotic play game arm or something (laughs) like that i don't know (laughs) like something you'd see in a video game or something i don't know (laughs) or you know science (laughs) yeah well that too you know yeah why not nintendo (laughs) science whatever same same right same same yeah so (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a little odd, too. I think they were trying to ratchet up the tension. I'm know. sure it was, because obviously it's dangerous to be out in space like that. Sure. And so, well, you ooh, know this are we going to... Is this that you've gone to space? I'm never going to space, so... That's what I heard. I heard yeah. you were never going to space. <laughs> I can imagine, though, <laughs> that <laughs> that is not safe. Yeah. It seems unsafe. And this is where the fear that I'll, I mean, I'll never go to space because of this fear that you would be like outside somehow and then just like float off into space into the, <laughs> to never be around again. Oh so. Lord, we'll, we'll be talking about that by the end of the movie <laughs> We <too>. will. <laughs> Guys, we're, this is, of course, we always spoil it. I just want to tell you up front, we're going to spoil it for you. But, so once, once they have this probe, they recapture or recapture, they recover the soil samples. And Hugh, is, who is an exobiologist, he is going through the soil and he finds a dormant cell. Basically, the first evidence of life on another planet outside of Earth. And he manages to revive it. It was dormant. He thinks it was just sleeping. And he manages to get it to wake up, and it interacts with him. It's interested in him. He's interested in it. It's a great love story. Some some kids they they show the scene that only serves to give the creature a name. Really, there's the the only reason for the scene is to give the creature a name. And I guess it also kind of introduces us to the crew 
as well. But you have like this interaction between the newscasters, some school kids, and the crew who are kind of explaining what's going on. There's and, and they're they're kind of catching the audience up too, right? They're mm-hmm. saying, "Look, we got this alien that we're going to keep here on the station, and we're going to study it here because it's safe." And the kids, they had a raffle or something to determine who, what school was going to get to name the organism. And it was Calvin Coolidge Elementary School. And they decided to name the organism Calvin. Calvin also has a different meaning just within science. There's, a, there's something called the Calvin Cycle which has to do with chloroplasts and how they catalyze certain enzymes. So, like, there's a scientific basis for naming it Calvin as well. But you want to be cutesy, you name it because the kids come from this school, and that's the name, right? That's the one that the audience is going to go, oh, sure, the kids from the school are right. naming it this way, right? So Hugh decides or figures that that. Calvin's cells can change what they can do. He says that it's it is neuron, it's the it's the muscles, the eyes, and the brain. Every muscle, every every neuron in there or every cell in there can be each of those things. Meaning that it can it can change what they, you know, a cell can change what it does and thinks that maybe it can work on like being able to like regrow things. I think the thing with Hugh is he's wheelchair bound when he's not in space. Mm-hmm. And so his goal, I think, with this discovery of Calvin is to perhaps find a way for maybe not maybe not him, but maybe future people to not be bound to wheelchairs. And it made me think of the lead character that Saffron Burroughs played in Deep Blue Sea. Do you remember this woman? She wanted to cure Alzheimer's, so she was pulling oh, uh, yeah, yeah. enzymes okay. out of the brains of the genetically mutated sharks. Mm-hmm. She never paid a price, but Hugh here is going to pay a price mm-hmm. for his audacity, his his daring to you know dream beyond humanity of what science could potentially you know mm-hmm. do for us or whatever. But that that's going to be one of those things that we'll we'll eventually talk about. So. Turns out that they discover that Calvin is kind of dormant again. It, it grows, but then it just becomes dormant. It, like, falls asleep, or it's in, like, a hibernation or something like that. Yeah. And Hugh decides he's going to shock it and see if he can't wake it up, mm-hmm. which is a big freaking mistake. Yes. Because as soon as it feels threatened, it attacks. Yes. So he shocks it. It doesn't do anything. He shocks it again. It grabs his hand. Now he's he's got his hands in these gloves. If you've ever seen listeners, if you've ever if you've ever seen one of these movies where you know the the scientist has his hands in gloves or her hands in gloves and they're reaching into a plexiglass thing to do their science stuff, that's what he's got his hands in. So when 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 Calvin grabs his hand, he grabs this hand inside that glove and just proceeds to basically crush. Hugh's hand, causing him to pass out. Yes. I find this interesting that Kelvin basically is, what to start with, he's responding to the humans kind of in a similar way that they're starting to respond with him. Like when they're curious, he's kind of curious. Mm-hmm. And it's not till 
he feels threatened in some way, like even with the rat yeah. in a few moments, mm-hmm. that he gets very violent. So this is a deadly alien. Like he can kill very quickly. Yeah. It, you know, that's that's interesting in that it wasn't going to do anything to anybody until <laughs> it felt like its existence was threatened. Right, till they then, started shocking it. Till they know? started shocking it, and then it turned deadly. But yeah, I think there's not a single creature that. Well, wait, no, there is. There is a couple of times where he where he just goes after them, even without. Well, because being... once he gets bigger, then he's look. I think he's looking for food source. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, you are right, actually. Well, okay, so after he busts up Hugh's hand, he finds a way to bust out of the rubber glove thing he like floats through the rubber glove and uses the prod that ca- that uh, Hugh was using to pop its way out of mm-hmm. the the rubber glove so the thing is smart yeah the thing is smart and then it goes and it, it sees this rat that's strapped down I don't know why this rat's strapped down but they went back to it a few times and I feel like they were just trying to make it like evident that the crew was trapped there just like this rat I, is trapped there I was thinking not that it matters, but I was thinking the rat was there for the atmosphere to make sure that, like, the atmosphere wasn't getting toxic or something, and the rat would, you know what I mean? Like, like there's enough oxygen in there or something. Mm. I don't know that for sure, but that's how I read that. But yeah. maybe he, there was another reason for that rat being there. I mean, it was a lab know. rat, basically. Yeah. I, I don't know. It- but it... I felt bad for the thing. I mean, the thing the whole time was just strapped down. Like, yeah. he couldn't move yeah. or anything. He was just strapped there. Well, it's a lab rat. That's what yeah. they do to lab rats. Yeah. That's that's how you get your deodorants and shampoos and all that fun stuff. They test it out on these animals in these types of yeah. scenarios. Uh, it's just part of science, I guess. Yeah. Or... Capitalism, maybe? I don't <laughs> or know. Or maybe that, yeah. Maybe that. So once it once it's busts out, once it busts out, it goes after this rat. But it doesn't go after the rat to attack it. It goes after the rat because it's curious. It's curious, You can yeah. see it, like, touching the rat and, like, mm-hmm. what are you? You know, kind of, like, mm-hmm. wrapping its, like, little petals around it. Mm-hmm. And then the rat snaps at it. And that's when, mm-hmm. that's when Calvin decides... You fucked around, now it's time to find out, right? That's what it is. This is fuck around and find out. Mm-hmm. Personified. So it devours the rat. It becomes bigger. Calvin, not the rat. <laughs> it devours the rat <laughs> and Calvin becomes bigger. And then Rory, the guy who caught the the returning station with the mechanical Nintendo arm that you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo arm, come on. <laughs> Are you serious? So... <laughs> That from now on, anytime I see like a robot arm, it's a Nintendo arm. That's <laughs> wonderful. That's what it is. It's a Nintendo arm. Hey, how do we get Space Moose Media? It's from you. This is where it comes from. Me and words. Yeah. They're great. You and words. They work well together. <laughs> or they together work together well. Or, or something. Anyway. <laughs> hey, I'm no slouch in the messing up a language thing. Words are hard. Words. No. Words. Yeah. So, uh, Rory goes in and he he rescues Hugh, basically. He pulls Hugh into the, or out of the, the lab. And then Calvin, while he's doing this, Calvin grabs onto Rory's leg. 
Rory gets locked in the lab. Like they're like, okay, you're you're not coming out. You got it on your leg. We can't let it out. We have to quarantine it. This is what Rebecca Ferguson's character is like saying. You know, we have to follow these protocols. And Rory tries to. He asks for permission to kill Calvin, mm-hmm. which they give him, and he tries to kill Calvin with like a flamethrower of some sort. Uh, yeah, like it looks like some kind of flame, some kind of weird flamethrower. But now he's attacking Calvin. Mm-hmm. He wasn't attacking Calvin before, so Calvin wasn't eating his leg. But now he's attacking Calvin. So Calvin grabs him and, like, jumps into his mouth, basically. Crawls this into his mouth. is a horrible way to die, I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. Now, keep in mind, Rory is Ryan Reynolds. And we're, what, 25 minutes into the movie? Yeah. He's one of the headliners of the movie. Yep. And they offed him, like Sam Jackson in Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just off. Yeah, it made me think of Drew Barrymore and Scream too. You know, where big name person. Yep. Done in the first part of the. Yep. First act. Ryan Reynolds. Done. Now, real quick. Yeah. He was supposed. I think they were looking at him to play David. Okay. Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Yeah. But he had some filming conflicts with a different movie, and so they had him play Rory instead. I guess. Would it have been Deadpool? I don't. Because no. this would have come, this would have been filming in sixteen when Deadpool was rapping, I would think. Maybe he might it have could been be doing like reshoots for yeah. Deadpool or something. I I can't say as hmm. what it was because I don't know if it said. Okay, well, either way, he is now Rory, and Rory basically Calvin goes into Rory's body and just like eats all of his innards. Yeah, like and you could see. Rory moving around like a little puppet as the aliens moving around. So he's obviously like devouring his insides as he's going. And oh boy, that was, that was a tough kill. (laughs) It's one of those things where your imagination kind of runs with it. Uh And you're thinking to yourself, God, what would it feel like to have something like eating your liver while you're still alive? Right. Yeah. Then... The flamethrower drifts up in zero G, which in the flamethrower is still kind of on. It's not like the pilot light. Yeah. Pilot light for it. Yeah. And it like hits the fire suppressant system and that sets off the fire suppressant and and Rory. (laughs) Rory doesn't escape anything, but Calvin escapes through that vent, through that system. For having a containment room that seems like a bad setup that you can still get out if there's a fire in well, there. Well, they try to shut it down. They yeah. try to keep Calvin in there, but they can't they they can't manage to get all of the valves closed before it escapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cuz so, only one person can hit a button at a time. Right. <laughs> it's a nice little race against time, but maybe there's only one button. What are they going to do? Each yeah. person like jabs it. Well, or if it's a computer's thing that you got to type in and it only does one at a time or something i mean that that is very possible so i don't know i don't make up the rules i'm just <laughs> i i'm just relaying the movie so i haven't been in a space station so i really don't know how that works and you're never gonna be <laughs> you're never going to space you've said it yourself i'm holding you to that if the opportunity ever arises for us to go to space i'm gonna say i'll go but my wife cannot i wouldn't never. even no i why not no, no, I have absolutely no desire to go to space. You've got to be kidding me. Why not? That sounds terrifying. <laughs> no. Uh, well, I mean, it is kind of terrifying, but isn't it exciting at the same time? No. 
this idea that you could be away from all the BS on this planet, which is actually something that that Jake Gyllenhaal's character will mention later on. That's why he likes to be up there. Having space travel be so common that they've kind of worked out any kink they could ever work out, I will not be alive for that to happen. You don't know that. Mm, I, I kind of think I do. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have no desire I to disagree. go to space. <laughs> so... <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I well. will stay on Earth, and I will wish you well and oh, well, safe I, travels. I guess I'll be in space, and you can be down here. <laughs> I'll wave at you as you fly by, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, the crew decides, hey, now it's good time to maybe, let's call Houston and tell them we've got a problem, right? And the station's communication system manages to overheat. Which cuts off contact with Earth now. Okay, that's what happened. Yeah. Okay, I thought for some reason somehow Kelvin got in there. I'm like, how the hell does the alien know how to interfere with the communication stuff? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. No, there was apparently when when the when the thing when they grabbed the 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 pod that was coming back, the coolant system got ruptured, and so they didn't have enough coolant for things that that they needed to keep cool, including the communication systems, which is where we're where uh, we get that but they don't explain that. Okay. So I'm thinking to myself while I'm watching this movie, the first time I watched this movie and the second time I watched this movie, I thought, holy crap, how did Calvin get out there to mess with the communication systems? Right. Because that's what Kat's going to do later. Is she's going to go and try and fix the coolant line so that they can communicate. Mm-hmm. But they don't really com- they don't they don't communicate that very well. No, I didn't. Yeah. I've seen this twice, and I didn't pick up on that either time. I thought it was the alien that somehow did something, and both yeah. times I'm like, how the hell does it well, know be- how to do that? Because it's outside. Yeah. It's outside. When Kat goes on her walk, when she goes on spacewalk to try and fix this thing, the the alien, Calvin, is there. Yeah. And it, it, it goes after her. And... She it ruptures her her coolant system in her in her suit, and so she is trying to get to the airlock. She's trying to beat the coolant that's filling up in her suit to the airlock, basically. But when she gets to the airlock, she realizes that Calvin is literally on her suit, and if she goes in, then Calvin will go in too. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to save them. By not by sacrificing herself. Mm-hmm. Also, we find out here that Kelvin can survive extremely cold temperatures. Yeah. Kind of important for later, yeah. right? Now, real quick on that scene. This scene is inspired by a real life accident that occurred on the ISS during astronaut Luca Parmitano's EVA on July 16th of 2013. The leak was not as serious for Luca. However, the water did fill his nose and ears and communication was briefly cut off and his sight was severely impaired. Oh, so it's kind of inspired by a real life real little life incident. Yeah. Okay. All right. That would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to drown in your suit and you can't get out of it. Yeah. She drowns. We watch her drown too. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile. There's some like really horrible deaths in this thing. Yeah. It's very personal, right? Yeah. Like it's very personal. Yeah. Yeah. The the bit with Kat is a little more devastating because even though she gets to 
the things she could have. Like, literally, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is on the other side saying, okay, I'm going to turn it this way, you turn it that way, we'll open the lock and you'll come in. And when he's trying to turn the lock, she's turning it the opposite way that she's supposed to turn it. Mm -hmm. And it takes a moment, but eventually they start to realize she's doing that on purpose. Mm -hmm. So here she is, face to face with them, after finally getting there, realizing, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. So she's they're watching her sacrifice herself. It was pretty. It was pretty pretty dark, mm-hmm. pretty nihilistic, honestly. So Calvin then tries to get back into the ship with its thrusters, like through the thrusters. It's going to go into like they have these maneuvering thrusters that kind of keep it in orbit and like keep the orbit like where it's supposed to be going, so that they don't like you know fall to Earth or you mm-hmm. know, jettison out to space or whatever, and. They fire those off to try and keep Calvin out of them until they start to run out of gas. And then they realize that, they, that they've that they drained enough fuel that the ISS is entering what's called the decaying orbit, which basically means that it's going to continue to orbit the Earth, but it's getting closer and closer and closer to the surface as it goes. And they're going to conserve the fuel that's left and they're going to you know use that last that last bit of fuel to put it back into safe orbit but by doing that it's going to Calvin's still going to be able to get in because right so so the dilemma here is yeah. that if they do hit earth's atmosphere they will not survive the reentry however right. their theory is Kelvin will or might yeah. Just the possibility that he yeah. could, that it could. And then could, get to, yeah. get to land. And, right. Yeah. Uh, the possibility that it could survive is enough for them to be like, no, we got to find a different way. So yep. they stay yep. up there. Okay. So what, what they plan to do then is they plan to basically just seal themselves into one part of the station and then vent the atmosphere in the other areas to make Calvin kind of hibernate like he was hibernating with mm-hmm. with Hugh. But while they're doing this, Calvin has managed to attach himself. I don't like calling him a him. I like to call him an it. Yeah. But I, I think that's the idea that it's got a name. It's got a name, that I yeah. keep calling him a him or it a him. Anyway, Calvin has managed to attach itself to his leg. Now, Hugh is paraplegic. He is wheelchair bound when he's not in space. He can't feel anything in his legs. I, I thought this was really clever. Yeah, that this this is how he's getting in, and he's with them, and nobody knows. Yeah, and then of course, Hugh is obviously dying, but they don't know why right. until later. But I I liked this. I thought this was kind of kind of a clever idea. This was an interesting beat because yeah. the other thing that this is going to allow is that you know they have these like tracking sensors all over their bodies. Well, Calvin consumes one while it's consuming his leg, mm-hmm. and that's how they're going to be able to track him later. So that was that was convenient. Yeah. yeah, that part was convenient, but the part where he was on cue, I I, yeah. I think that's smart. Yeah. Definitely, definitely yeah. smart. Once they figure out what's going on, they just you know they they figure out that hey oh, oh my god something's wrong with Hugh, and then they they. I don't know how they, I don't remember how they saw it. Oh, they saw something crawling around in his, in his suit. Yeah. And so they open it up and there's Calvin and Calvin like chases all of them. They like basically chases them. Yeah. And we get this Calvin vision. 
Yeah, I thought this looked very alien like. Alien vision. 3, right? Yes. Like we were we just talked about Alien 3. Yep. That's all I could think of. That's what I thought of too. I didn't like that back then. I didn't really like that either and I didn't like it here. Yeah. But I don't know. I suppose do we really need to see the point of view of the alien? No. I think in the original Alien, the original movie Alien, the effective way of tracking what was going on and building the suspense of the situation was to have that radar, that little tracking device. They do it again in Aliens with the tracking device that Ripley has. And that beep, 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 that whole thing. They Mm -hmm. do that here, but they want their cake and eat it too. They combine both Alien and Aliens and Alien 3 and give us both of those things. You can create this tension that you're trying to create without giving us this Calvin Vision crap. Yeah. 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 So... They use Hugh's corpse as bait to try and lure Calvin away and try and trap it. But they, the three remaining people, which are Sho and David Jordan and Miranda North, they get separated. Jordan and, and North end up in one area and Sho seals himself into one of the sleeping pods and while Calvin is chasing him. Calvin tries to break inside, but he can't, and so he leaves. Calling him an a, I'm calling it a he again. Yeah. Stupid naming it Calvin makes me call it a he. <laughs> like, is that intentional then? Do you think that that's intentional so that we'll feel something for this creature? I have no idea. I mean, let's face it. It was taken off of its planet. Mm-hmm. It was shocked. It was attacked with a fire rod. It was attacked mm-hmm. with like a flamethrower. And now is it responsible for what it's doing? Well, now it's just trying to eat, right? Now it's just trying to survive. They've yeah. created this monster. It's trying to survive. Is yeah. it responsible? I don't know. I interesting. should be left where it was, I guess. But that goes against like the whole idea of like discovery, right? Right. It does. But then again, it, uh, I think this. I think this idea of naming it Calvin is meant to humanize it, so that we will empathize with. It's plight, it's mm-hmm. situation of having been torn from its home and poked and prodded for no other reason other than it exists. Mm-hmm. It could be, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, sidetracked there. Just something that I'm realizing as we're talking it through. So while they've they've trapped Calvin, everything's getting really cold, and then they realize that Earth had received the distress call before the communication system died. Mm -hmm. And they send a spacecraft to what they think is rescue them. So they're thinking, oh, wait, it's going to dock, and then then the alien's going to get on their ship. Mm -hmm. But they're not there to dock. They're there to push the ISS into deep space. Mm -hmm. It's the last failsafe... To protect Earth, basically. That sounds like Miranda even put in place. Yeah, Miranda specifically told them, if there's a situation like this, you need to Mm -hmm. shoot us off into space. Yes. Don't worry about us. There's that that fear that you're just talking about right there. This is the first inkling of that. Mm -hmm. They're going to shove them out there and let let them die slowly but surely. When the, when this, this little barge ship, uh, 
starts pushing it, everything, you know, starts shifting around. Sho thinks that it's there to rescue them because he's not there. He didn't hear what they figured Mm -hmm. out. And, or even he didn't hear the conversation that David and Miranda have because Miranda tells him, no, they're not here to save us. They're here to send us off. Mm-hmm. So Sho manages to get himself into the rescue barge or the barge that's pushing them out to... It's got a name, but I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to try and mas- massacre it. But when when he does that, Calvin follows him, mm-hmm. and he murders the whole crew on there. I don't know how many people there were, probably three. That sounds like a good round, a good number for astronauts in a you know a situation where they're going to push a ISS out in the space. Yeah. So this here is where we see he has not prompted with violence yet he's going after these people. So there's yeah, kind of been a kind turn. Of the turning point, right? Yeah, there's kind of a turn cuz yeah. other than that, you know, yeah, he's going after these other guys, but these other guys have been like trying to suffocate him out right. and trying to, you know, right. keep him outside. So and I don't he, know if yeah. he's smart enough to know, hey, these three are the one that are doing this to me so that's why they're, he's going after them I, i'm gonna I argue know. that he is i think because, he is because he's very smart right from the get-go and able yeah. to figure out things mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna argue that he is because by the end of this he's going to be taking control of certain situations that we'll get to when we mm-hmm. get to the end of it but he you know to, to your point i thought the turning point was hugh when hugh is incapacitated by the by the creature being on his leg but when you think about it that thing, the first the first human to attack it, quote unquote, was Hugh. Mm-hmm. If he yeah. recognizes Hugh, there you have it, right there. Right. You know, so that's not even a that's not even just a regular like I'm killing to eat. This is I'm going to get my revenge on you because you attacked me. Still, might as well eat your tasty leg while might I'm as at well it. Eat your tasty, tasty leg. Although it's kind of a thin leg, right? I mean, it's not a lot of meat on it. You think he would have gone up a little bit further, maybe torso? I don't know. He's so, trying to hide. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not about eating. It's yeah. about his revenge, right? He's yeah. not there to. If he wanted to eat, he could just enter Hugh's body. We've seen him do it already. Mm-hmm. Enter Hugh's body through his mouth and eat all of his organs. Those are going to be. A, there's going to be a lot more food source there than there are on his emaciated legs. Right. You know. But yeah, so the attack on the barge ship manages to create a docking breach. In other words. The barge ship breaks kind of off to the side and exposes the inside of the the space station to the vacuum of space. And Sho tries to trap Calvin on the barge, but he's not successful in that. It detaches, crashes into the ISS, and then that sends the ISS into a decaying orbit again. Mm-hmm. Now we've now we're down to two people left. We've got David and Miranda. And they they speculate again Calvin could survive reentry into Earth's atmosphere. So what they're gonna do is that ISS has two escape pods that are programmed to go directly to Earth. However David says he's going to manually, he's going to override it and manually pilot. He's going to lure Calvin into his pod and manually pilot it out to space 
because that's where he wants to be anyway. He doesn't want to be down on Earth with all the people that he hates. He wants to be out in space. It's a very Charlton Heston-y move from Planet of the Apes. Not in real life, but from Planet of the Apes anyway. And meanwhile, Miranda will get back to Earth, inform everybody of what happened. She'll be the last survivor, etc. So they lead Calvin. He, you know, he leads Calvin into his pod. They launch... Miranda launches her pods. The, the pods start going into different directions while Calvin is grabbing onto David and it's trying to prevent him from being able to reach the controls. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is, again, it knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. Is it that smart or is this just something that we have to give the writing? Is this a conceit that we have to give to the writing? I think we're supposed to think this thing is that smart. I mean, yeah. they're talking about Every cell in this thing's body contains the ability to, with brain, muscle, and whatever the hell else it Vision, was. Vision. Uh, yeah. Which, I mean, you're assuming then you can be hearing as well. Yeah. It can be speech as well, vocal. So part, I feel like they're trying to tell us this is going to be a very intelligent creature. Yeah. That's the way I took it. I took it as, no, you're not going to pilot us out into space. You're going to let us land. I need to eat. Mm-hmm. You know? Which, the way that they shoot this... They want to make you believe that Miranda's ship ends up heading to Earth, even though when they get hit, they get hit by by debris from the deteriorating space station. Mm-hmm. They get hit, and Miranda's ship suffers damage. But it's still, the way they cut it, you're still meant to believe that she is still traveling to Earth and David is still traveling out to space. But actually, the reverse is true, and you don't find this out until... His pod actually lands in the ocean and is found by some fishermen. And when they look into the window, which, by the way, that thing would be red friggin' hot still. Why would they be able to put their hands on it? I do not know. No, they wouldn't be able to. Right. But But they find it. They look into the window and Calvin is huge in there. He has completely enveloped the inside of this thing. And all you can see is David's face. And he's like, don't open the door. Don't open the door. But these guys don't speak English. Yeah. It's like in Malaysia somewhere, I think, that he gets mm-hmm. that they land in the water. And so they open up the door. And then from there, we see that there are other ships coming mm-hmm. to rescue the people in the pod. But they're really just going to be food. And then we see that Miranda's ship, Miranda's pod, is hurtling out into space. Your ultimate fear as she <laughs> screams. And as she's hurtling off, we cut to the credits and the song Spirit in the Sky which I don't even know why they put that in there. Maybe it's because it was in Star Trek First Contact and this is the first contact of alien life to Earth. I don't know. I'm not sure why that's in there. That could be it. Yeah, maybe. Who the hell knows? But that's the end of the movie. Miranda's going to die. David's going to die. Everybody on the Earth's probably going to die until they get a hold of Calvin and actually like you know do something about him. It. Him. It. Hit. I'm assuming the thing can probably swim? Maybe I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to think how it's going to move around on Earth because we've just seen it in space where there's no gravity, so it, it can just yeah. float around. But I mean, that's I guess the it'll thing. be interesting. That's the thing. You know, you when you get that that last shot of the 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 life pod, it's in like a vast expanse of water. There's not much around. Mm-hmm. It's either going to attach itself to something in one of the ships, or it's going to become part of the water ecosystem mm-hmm. and then find something to attach onto there yeah. and then move on. I yeah. don't know. They Something. kind of leave that whole thing open. There's it, no I, sequel. So. Yeah, it doesn't 
it doesn't really matter. Just something you kind of think on like, how's that going to work for that thing? Did you fall for this this ending? I did not. I didn't either. I was like, wait a minute, that's going to be her floating out there in it. Yeah, well, because of the, I mean. The way they cut it, I know that they're trying to do that, but they were so deliberate about it that I'm like, oh, she did, oh, it got goofed up. (laughs) I think if, if you really wanted to make this like the surprise ending, you don't send her out to space. Don't give them the shot where she gets hit by debris. Mm Mm-hmm. Make it so that they're both still okay and make it look like they're both kind of going off in separate directions and that Calvin is reaching for the the controls or whatever. David's mm-hmm. reaching for the controls and Calvin's trying to prevent him. Then you've got a situation where you could actually have Splashdown, but in, like, they both be there, you know? Well, or if you really want her going out to space, we don't see her get hit, but you could flash back to her like they do. And then maybe there's some mechanical something going on in there that she didn't make it. You know, I mean, you don't have to do the get hit with debris back and forth thing. Cause I felt like that kind of gave it away. Yeah. I mean, she could have died in like the, 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 the jettison of the, the the pod or something, you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how you cut that to make that work. Yeah. I don't know. So, okay, so do you have any other notes that you want to discuss? couple things. I Because this does have such an alien inspiration from this, mm-hmm. one thing I thought was this did have, to me, a little bit more realistic feel as to how maybe an alien might actually get introduced mm. to us, you know, sure. because it was a, a single cell thing right. and... You know, it was waking up versus, you know, something with eggs and pods and all that stuff. Yeah. Not saying one or the other's better. I'm just saying it had a little bit more realistic feel. And the other thing was there wasn't a quote unquote bad guy on this one that was trying to sabotage a mission or something like that. This was right. just a mission to find an alien, you know. You could argue that humanity is the bad guy. Sure, sure. But, I mean, there's no outright somebody there's who's... nobody twirling a mustache in a corner. Right. Yeah. Like yep. like you have in... I think I've seen a couple alien movies, and I feel like in every one I've seen, there's somebody who's, like... It's always the company. ...playing a game behind mm-hmm. the scenes or the whatever. The company always wants the alien. Yeah. Here, they're trying to keep the alien off Earth. There's a little bit of nihilism in the fact that the alien does get to Earth, that, like, mm-hmm. everything is doomed, you mm-hmm. know? There's a very, it's a very doomy, gloomy type ending. I'd like to bring up a couple of interesting points that I, that are a couple of things that I, that I noticed. And one of them is this lifeboat situation. Why didn't they both just get in the lifeboats and why bother luring it? Well, I guess the only, re- okay, so here we go. How about this? So the lifeboats are supposed to only be for one person, but you know what? Take your shot and put two people in one of the lifeboats before that thing gets there, leave Calvin on the ship. Right. But what they were worried about, because it was in that dead atmosphere, so it was going to hit, it was going to go through Earth's atmosphere and come in. So they were trying to kill it so it doesn't get to Earth. No, I understand that. But before the barge gets there to push them out into space, mm-hmm. they could have jettisoned and oh, yeah, made I see it what back you're talking to about. Earth. Yeah. 
left Calvin on there, and then they could have, you know, when they get when they splash down, Earth's mm-hmm. gonna Earth's gonna be like, whoa, hey, just two people just got here from the ISS. They'll get there. They'll realize either three of them survived or two of them survived, and then they can be like, look, don't send the barge. It's up there, or send the barge. But just, you know, send it out, you know, push it off. Or even, they don't even have to say anything. The only reason that the barge crashes is because Calvin gets onto the barge. And the barge doesn't happen. The barge crash doesn't happen unless, mm-hmm. unless uh, what's his name? Show. Show oh, yeah. runs to it, mm-hmm. you know? I, oh, man. that The bar, the lifeboat situation bothered me because you could have used it earlier. These are supposed to be really smart people that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And they don't think to just roll the dice. I mean, at this point, you're either dead or... Or you have a chance. Yeah. And if you've got a chance, you take the chance to stay alive. You could have left Calvin up there. They could have pushed it out into space. Game over. You're done. Yeah. And there you have it. But they, you know, their, their stupid decision, horror movie decision, didn't make any sense. Also, Ryan Reynolds in this movie did a really good job. Wow. Now, I say this because I don't like Ryan Reynolds in comedic roles. I really don't. But I've seen two movies now that I've actually enjoyed his performance in them. One of them is a movie called Buried, which I've recommended to you before. And the other one is this. Ryan Reynolds is much more suited to a dramatic role than he is to some smarmy college humor BS role. (laughs) So there you have it. I don't mind his comedic role. So you and I have but like a different... he plays the same character in that every he goddamn does, but, time. But so far I've enjoyed him. So every it's, it's fun. Every single time he plays the exact <laughs> same thing. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to see football to the groin 86 times in a row. I want something a little bit more. And his dramatic work has given me that. If other people want to see football to the groin 86 times in a row, that's fine. Let them watch it. I prefer, I prefer my monocled... You know, a smoking jacket version of, like, you know, Ryan Reynolds' acting ability. So, <laughs> yes. Do you have any other notes? I do not. Shall we talk then about whether we're going to keep rent or erase this? Sure. Okay, where do you stand, Jen? Keep rent or erase, and why? I'm going to rent this one. Even though this is sci-fi, I actually enjoyed this one. Is it because of Ryan Reynolds? No, he's not even in it that much. <laughs> But I found this compelling. I found this interesting. There's this alien creature, like you said, that you actually have a little bit of sympathy for, but yet you're scared of this thing. And Just don't piss it off. Right, right. I, I like the story. Now, it definitely wasn't perfect. It does have some flaws to it. There's some wire work that sometimes you can see the <laughs> pants being pulled up in the back. <laughs> But yeah. not not the whole time. Most of it I thought was pretty good. And I liked the, and I know it was CGI and stuff, but I liked the blood effects in gravity where it was kind of coming out of their bodies and then like floating up and stuff. I thought that looked kind of cool. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen that in other stuff, but I thought that was neat. You haven't um, watched enough Star Trek. No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I think I've watched plenty of Star Trek, honestly, but... <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyways, I... I've seen this twice now. I don't think I'll take it out and watch it every year, but every once in a while, I think I'll watch this. It's not so bad. Okay. Okay. It's a decent sci-fi for me. Okay. 
How about you? It's firmly in the rent category for me. There's no waffling about it. It's not an erase. It's not that bad. But it's definitely not a keeper. It's not one of those movies that you're going to want to know how they made it or any of that crap. You know how they made it. The story is compelling. It has some interesting things to say about Discovery and how invasive that is. It has some interesting things to say about, you know, whether or not we should be exploring things, which I think we should. But it it it's not something that's going to spur a lot of conversation. But, you know, you can have little mini conversations about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I enjoyed Ryan Reynolds' performance. That's the second time ever. So that's something. I, I feel like it's a bit of a discovery to to see. Like, there's some people that can do comedy and drama. Robin Williams could do comedy and drama. Ryan Reynolds can't. Ryan Reynolds' comedy is the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And, frankly, it gets boring. It's like MCU movies and CGI, you know? It's a deteriorate... The law of diminishing returns, that's what it is for me, is that... The forty third time I hear him make a dick joke, I'm I'm already out at that point, you know. But here he's given something to work with, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really loved about this was his interaction with Hugh and how he and Hugh were friends, mm-hmm. and how he was kind of getting jealous at one point of Calvin and the way that Hugh was interacting with Calvin or the way that Hugh was talking about Calvin. He even says to him, "You're not buddies. We're buddies. You and me, we're buddies." Mm-hmm. So, like, giving him something to actually chew on, he can actually do something with it. Otherwise, it's just dick and fart jokes. Which I don't have a problem with dick and fart jokes. I have a problem with that's your only entry into the universe is dick and fart jokes. He's got something more to give, and I want to see him give more of it. Makes sense. So, rent from me. What's next? All right, next week we are going to cover Avatar... The Way of Water, or Avatar 2. Avatar 2. Avatar, The Way of Water. Now, anybody that listened to our episode last week knows that prior to watching the original Avatar, we weren't really that hyped about the new one. Right. I, I'd i only seen Avatar that one time, long time ago. Yeah. And it was okay. Yeah. But it's been so long. And so when they announced this, I was just like, ugh. Yeah, but now you're <laughs> now you're geared up for it, right? You really liked Avatar. I am. I'm so glad we watched it again. Yeah, um, it's gotten me excited to go see this. Right, and and as luck would have it, we were able to secure tickets to a 3D viewing of it. So this will be interesting. Yeah, I this, hope it works well. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to take your Dramamine beforehand. <laughs> I may be leaving halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully that's not the case, but. We will see you next week right here on the couch for Avatar The Way of Water. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to A View from the Couch, a Space Moose Media podcast. You can interact with our hosts on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash view underscore couch. You can also email us at a view from the couch at yahoo.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us get noticed by leaving a five star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.